Welcome, viewers and listeners, to another edition of CHP Talks. I don't have a guest with me today. I'm going to tell you about a few things that are upcoming, and it'll be a very short program today, so uh, stay with me for a few minutes, if you wouldn't mind. I'd like to uh, talk about two particular subjects. Uh, one is the foreign election tampering and foreign influence on Canadian elections, and the other is the Public Order Emergency Commission that was uh, chaired by Judge Rouleau and some of the things around that. Then I'm going to tell you a few of the uh, events coming up in our calendar, and then we'll tell you about what's coming in the next couple of weeks on CHP Talks. I'm Rod Taylor, National Leader of the Christian Heritage Party of Canada, for those who don't know, and i glad that you've taken a few minutes to be with me here today. Now, the Public Order Emergency Commission, headed by Judge Rouleau, is um, a, a source of disappointment to many Canadians and a source of uh, crowing and, and basically a public demonstration of arrogance by our current prime minister. Judge Rouleau, and there's been lots of talk about his relation to the Liberal Party. Uh, he did work for former Liberal pre PM uh, John Turner. Uh, he he has a distant family tie to Jean Chrétien. But more importantly, he was appointed by our current prime minister and the scope of his work with the Public Order Emergency Commission was also defined by our current government, our current prime minister and the government. And it was supposed to look at whether or not the Emergencies Act was justified, whether it met the high threshold when the prime minister implemented the Emergencies Act to crack down on the peaceful protest in Ottawa by the Freedom Truckers Convoy, uh, whether that was an overreach by the government. And of course, most of you will know by now that Judge Rouleau indicated that it was not an overreach, that the high standards uh, that are required before implementing the Emergencies Act were actually met. Now, he didn't sound too convincing on that, but that is the decision he came down with. And of course, the, the main point I want to make, and I'm going to be uh, reading a, a few words from the Honorable Brian Peckford, former Premier of uh, Newfoundland, and one of the, or the last remaining signers of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, what he has to say. But the main point that I want to make is that this commission did not go far enough. It was appointed by the government to cover for the government and to come to the conclusions that this government wanted it to reach. The reason I say it didn't go far enough is it did not go back to what caused the truckers' convoy. It didn't look at the fact that uh, thousands, if not millions of Canadians were adversely affected by the mandates, the vaccine mandates, particularly which prohibited truckers from crossing the U.S.-Canada border. Now, they were implemented on both sides of the border by uh, two government heads that basically think alike, Justin Trudeau and Joe Biden. So the... Um, I don't want to focus on the connections uh, of Judge Rouleau. I think it's significant that uh, that he had liberal connections before. But let's say that 
a liberal was capable, a liberal thinking person was still capable of making a fair decision about things that he heard. That's not what happened. And anyone who knows anything, the real facts about the truckers' convoy and their behavior in Ottawa knew, knows that they did not constitute a real and legitimate threat. Let me uh, read you what on the Honorable Brian Peckford has to say. And for those who would like to read, the Honorable Brian Peckford has a great blog. It's called peckford42.wordpress.com. Peckford, the number 42.wordpress.com. And if you go to his blog, and you scroll down, he has an article entitled, The Evidence Contradicts the Conclusion. I'm just going to read what he has to say because he says it so well. He's, he, he's quoting the judge here. The judge said, I have concluded that in this case, the very high threshold for the invocation of the Emergencies Act was met. I have done so with reluctance. That's an interesting comment. End quote. Thus concludes Justice Paul Rulo in a report exceeding 2,000 pages. The grounds for his reluctance are very strong. In fact, the evidence supports his reluctance more than it supports his conclusion. For a declaration, this is uh, Brian Peckford now saying this, for a declaration of a public order emergency to be justified, Justice Rulo states that all of the following must be met. Number one, there had to be an urgent and critical situation of a temporary nature that seriously endangered the lives, the health, or the safety of Canadians. Number two, the emergency must have arisen from activities directed toward the threat or the use of serious violence against persons or property for the purpose of achieving a political, religious, or ideological objective. Number three, the emergency was of such proportions or nature that it exceeded the capacity or the authority of a province to deal with it. Number four, the emergency could not have been effectively dealt with by any other federal law. And number five, the emergency required the taking of special temporary measures. And Mr. Peckford says the evidence placed before the Public Order Emergency Commission in the fall of 2022 fails to support these legal requirements. And uh, that really says it all. The, the point is, again, I'm not going to belabor this. Many others are doing uh, blog posts and podcasts on this topic. The information is out there for anyone with ears to hear, eyes to see, and an interest in understanding what happened that led up to the Freedom Convoy about a year ago. And what led up to it was far worse than anything that happened in Ottawa. In fact, by all accounts, those who were actually there say that it was a three-week street party in Ottawa, uh, a lot of sharing of smiles, bouncy castles, and uh, goodwill, the singing of O Canada, the flying of the Canadian flag. And the prime minister, of course, had every opportunity, was invited multiple times to meet with the organizers of the convoy, and he could have met with them, understood their complaints, their concerns about the vaccine safety and efficacy and what it was doing, what the mandates were doing 
to truckers and other Canadians in terms of interfering with their lives, their livelihoods, their families, their responsibilities. But he chose rather to hide out uh, as a man who claims to be fully vaxxed. He claimed to be fully uh, brought down with COVID as well and uh, refused to meet with the truckers, although he has met with other protesters at other times in the past. Uh, who were using much more violent uh, and extreme tactics than the truckers who just wanted to talk to him. Uh, he refused to meet with them and uh, then invoked the Emergency Act, which had uh, police horses running over people, uh, truck windows being smashed, people being arrested, and all the fallout that took place as a result, not of the truckers, but as a result of the government overreach, the government reaction. So anyway... I just want to say briefly, first of all, go to uh, peckford42.wordpress.com and read Mr. Brian Peckford's great commentary on this topic. Uh, secondly, I just want to say that it's a travesty of justice that our prime minister and his government uh, has gotten away with invoking the Emergency Act when it was not required, was not justified. And now he's got this uh, Justice Rulo to say that it was justified. Well, what can you do? The, the uh, justice has made that statement. Now there will be a national citizens inquiry. We hope and expect that will be much fairer and we'll look at all the uh, fallout from government mandates and regulations that go far beyond just the invoking of the Emergencies Act. The second topic I want to speak about is the undue influence of Chinese Communist Party money on Canadian elections. And of course, you've all been hearing something about that in recent uh, days and weeks. Uh, the Prime Minister is completely uh, obfuscating. He's pretending, he's skating and obfuscating, skating around the topic. Uh, he's pretending that it's not a big deal that massive amounts of Chinese money came into Canada and were used against 11, uh, or were used in 11 campaigns in, the, in 2021 that may have affected the outcome. The Conservatives claim that it cost them eight seats. Uh, it's hard to know whether that's, that's true. I mean, you can't ever tell what would have happened in an election if things had been different. <clears throat> but certainly there was money funneled into the coffers, into the campaign funds of 11 Canadian candidates in a federal election. That's absolutely illegal. I'm gonna quickly show a little uh, screenshot of it here uh, from the Washington Examiner. And uh, it's interesting that the Washington Examiner is talking about Canada's elections and their headline says, China influenced Canada's elections at the expense of conservatives. And it says, uh, last week, the um, secret documents from Canadian Security Intelligence Service confirmed that China interfered in Canada's 2021 federal election. Now, there's also talk that they may have also, uh, it appears that they also had an influence in the 2019 election. And who knows how far back that may go. But China obviously wants to elect members of parliament and a government that is sympathetic to China, not hostile to China's interests. 
Of course, we believe the government of Canada should be uh, all about Can Canada's interests and the interests of Canadians, not about the interests of a foreign power. It says Beijing's goal was to defeat conservative politicians considered hostile to China and to secure the re-election of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's liberal government. The Trudeau government, which has consistently minimized and concealed China's electoral interference, now claims that it is taking these issues seriously. Only a fool would believe that. Um, and uh, so anyway, uh, what I want to tell people about as I'm a Canadian politician, I've run in a number of elections. Uh, fortunately, no Chinese money came into the coffers of the Christian Heritage Party. We would not have accepted it had it come our way. Uh, but chances are that the Chinese government would not be particularly favorable to a Christian Heritage Party government that wants to defend our borders, uh, improve our manufacturing capabilities, uh, and look after the interests of Canadians, bring down national debt, and so on and so forth. All the things we stand for, many of those are contrary to the interests of the Chinese Communist Party. But 11 candidates, nine liberals, and two conservatives, um, this incident and the government reaction to it are very disturbing. Now, that's what really gets my goat is that the prime minister uh, is trying to avoid this topic. He doesn't want to talk about it. He doesn't want to admit that it may have uh, impacted our election. And this is so serious. If you're running as a can candidate in a Canadian federal election, you are not allowed to accept more than $20 cash from any donor. Uh, if they want to give you a check, it goes through your campaign account. It's clearly identifiable. Only Canadian citizens are allowed to give money to a Canadian candidate in a federal election. Uh, unions can't give money to a campaign. Businesses, small businesses, large businesses are not allowed to give money to campaign. And because there are limits on the amount an individual can give, you're not allowed to give money to someone else to give to a campaign. If you say, oh, I'm going to give $1,000, but here's $1,000 for you, and here's $1,000 for you, just make sure it goes to my candidate. That would be highly illegal. And uh, I know as a candidate, as a political party, the Christian Heritage Party, we are uh, scrupulous about how we handle money, how we record and document and uh, the financial papers that go back and forth between every candidate, every party, and the Elections Canada are really, uh, they've gone over with a fine-tooth comb or a, a microscope or whatever to see whether there's anything that could be considered uh, you know, fraudulent. And so we're very careful, of course, to uh, maintain uh, very diligently our integrity in all things concerning elections and concerning election finance. Apparently, there's 11 candidates who ran in the last federal election who were not scrupulous, and there may have been more. We don't, you know, this is, could be the tip of the iceberg, but the prime minister and his government should be uh, encouraging the RCMP and CSIS and the elections commissioner and the elections Canada chief electoral officer should all be looking into this and saying, you know, because if, Canadian elections are stolen or are unduly influenced by those who have no right to influence them, like foreigners, uh, then uh, our citizens will lose all confidence in the results of elections. 
how do we know that the right people are getting elected when the wrong people are using their money? Like the CBC, for instance, uses our money to influence voters away from our uh, principles and, and values. So that's wrong as well, but there seems to be no uh, no conscience in the CBC, no conscience in the government to rein in. I mean, the government gives your tax dollars to the CBC and CBC promotes leftist liberal ideologies. And uh, we are just supposed to you know, suck it up and uh, uh, pretend everything's all right. But here's a, a case where the law has been broken big time. And some of those MPs probably didn't deserve to be elected. And uh, government should be using all its powers to get to the bottom of this. And they should admit what's been done wrong. Those that have done wrong should be paying a price. And that would include our prime minister if he's covering for his uh, members of parliament who use Chinese money to get elected. Now, I want to tell you, we have a couple of exciting guests coming up in the next two weeks. Uh, next Thursday, we will have Dr. Joe Boot, and uh, many of you know him. He's uh, an amazing author, uh, theologian, philosopher, and a great speaker. And so I'm going to interview him ahead of his meeting. He will be speaking to our Sarnia Lambton Electoral District Association. They're having a, uh, an annual general meeting later. And uh, I think I don't, I'm not clear about the date. Sorry, you, uh, you have to check the date on that. But he will be speaking there. So he's going to be our guest next week. The following week, we have Paivi Rasanen from Finland. She's a member of parliament in Finland. And she has been criminally charged for tweeting a Bible verse. Can you believe it? Well, that kind of stuff is coming to Canada. And uh, we need to be active. I'm going to be very interested. I've, I've listened to a couple of interviews with Baivi Rasanen, and uh, she's a wonderful woman, very well-spoken, very loving and kind, wouldn't, wouldn't uh, harm anybody. She's a long-standing member of their parliament, and uh, she is speaking the truth courageously in spite of these uh, charges against her. She will be going to court later this year, and hopefully will the charges will be overturned and she'll be exonerated for speaking the truth and proclaiming biblical scriptural truth to her nation. Uh, March 17th, we're here in Northern British Columbia. We're going to have Tanya Gaw, the founder and president of Action for Canada speaking. And she's going to be speaking on the topic of um, Effective Tools and Strategies for Overcoming Evil. Tanya Gaw and Action for Canada have been outspoken on many of the issues that we're concerned about, personal freedom, uh, right to life, uh, gender uh, dysphoria, and gender confusion in the schools. And so she's going to be a great speaker for us. That will be at the Smithers Golf and Country Club golf course. And you need to get a ticket. If you're going to come to the dinner, you need to get your ticket by March the 6th. And I have tickets, so you can contact me, uh, $30 for the dinner. And then if you're not able to get a ticket, but you'd like to come and hear Tanya speak, you can do that. Uh, she'll be speaking. Uh, if, if you're going to come to the dinner, the dinner's at 6 o'clock. And if you are coming to just to hear her speak after the dinner, then come in at about quarter to 8. She'll be speaking at 8 o'clock. 
uh, April 22nd, for all of our CHP members across the country, we're going to have our annual uh, national conference uh, held by Zoom. So every member will get a notice by email and you'll be able to join us for a few hours. I have a couple of great speakers there and a great chance. Maybe you'll have a chance to ask some questions and it'll be an exciting time for all of us in the Christian Heritage Party. May the 11th is the March for Life. Uh, that's a Thursday as it is every year. And normally I have been in Ottawa for quite a few years to speak from the steps of Parliament. This year, I have been invited to be in Victoria, British Columbia, and there will be a similar March for Life in Victoria on the same day. So I can't be in two places at once. Only God can do that. But uh, it'll be my privilege to speak from the steps of the provincial legislature in Victoria on the sanctity of life, the importance of protecting innocent human life. And so, uh, oh yes, and then on May 27th, in Ingersoll, Ontario, for CHP members in Ontario, there will be a members gathering, an all-day Saturday event in person, and that's going to be exciting. I plan to be there as well, and that is called the Challenge the Culture uh, event in Ingersoll. So many things to uh, have in mind. We look forward to seeing you again next week, and stay in touch with us. Let us know what you think about our podcasts, uh, help us to spread the word, send out links to people so that people can follow us. And uh, look forward to seeing you next week on another edition of CHP Talks. Thank you. Thanks for listening to CHP Talks. For more content you don't want to miss, be sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast, CHP Talks. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. To view our weekly episodes in a video format, you can find us on Brighteon at brighteon.com forward slash channel forward slash CHP Canada. On BitChute at bitshoot.com forward slash channel forward slash CHP Canada. Now, social media censorship and the cancel culture have restricted what we can discuss on YouTube. But most of our programs can still be found on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash C forward slash CHP Canada. Thanks for joining us. Please share this information with others. After all, speaking the truth is an act of love. I'm Rod Taylor, National Leader of CHP Canada and your host of CHP Talks. See you next week.